You're listening to Hardwired with Jeff Wickwire. Here's what's coming up in today's edition. Should a born-again, Christ-professing Christian be lured away from their genuine walk with Christ into, say, a cult like Mormonism, Jehovah's Witnesses, or into a false religion like Islam? They would essentially be renouncing Christ and His work of grace. Because every one of these, Mormonism, Jehovah's Witnesses, Islam, any other so-called religion demands performance on your part to get saved. Following the law has a way of tricking us into feeling like we are closer to something or someone than we really are. When we get into routines and follow the rules, it makes us feel part of something. In today's message, Pastor Jeff explains that Jesus dying on the cross allows you to draw closer to Him. Instead of following rules and abiding by strict codes to feel a connection to Christ, He allows you to develop your own relationship with Him. Stop blindly following the law and become intimate with Christ. Well, let's join Pastor Jeff in the book of Galatians chapter 5 as he continues his message, The Law of Liberty. Don't budge from your victory. Stand. When faced by wild, undisciplined enemies, here's what the Roman soldiers would do. The Roman soldiers would lock their shields together in a long line, plant their feet firmly on the ground, and they would stand like an iron wall against the invaders. That's what the church is supposed to do. Just like that. We ought to get side by side by side by side, hold up the shield of faith and the sword of the spirit till we become one long Holy Ghost iron wall of righteous resistance and stand. Against all invaders, and believe me, Christians and our culture are under massive, breathtaking invasion. It seems like every day there's something else in the news where some, somebody caved somewhere and evil made another inroad into our culture. It's time for the church to grow a spine made of Holy Ghost steel and say, you know what? That's far enough. You're not going any further. We stand. We stand together and we, we create this wall of resistance and we are not budging. Paul says, stand your ground in the day of attack. That's what we're supposed to do. Stand your ground. We shouldn't yield a single point. So, well, Pastor Jeff, that's the, you must not be willing to grow and, and evolve and um, flex and flow with the way the culture is going. I'm not supposed to. Truth does not adapt itself to a culture. Truth is not something you change based on the whims or desires of people. Truth stands like an unbending steel pillar that never gives in, never changes, no matter what the culture does, no matter what people wish it were, it doesn't give in, it doesn't back down, it doesn't change, and it will set you free. Now, what our culture can't seem to get is truth is truth, and error is error. And they don't change, they don't shift, they don't flex, they don't adapt, they don't evolve. And you're not backward or ignorant or a hayseed if you believe that. 
you're wise. Because relativism is destroying our culture. Relativism. That's when truth is totally adaptable and changeable and flexible and flowable. And it's more like Plato than a steel rod. Relativism. Where truth is what you decide it is. Relativism. Where every man does what is right in his own eyes. Relativism. It has always wrecked cultures. Show me a culture that went into relativism and I'll show you a culture that died. Show me a culture that stayed true to traditional, fixed, unchanging truths and I'll show you a culture that was strong, as we would say in East Texas, as bear's breath. (laughs) Study history. History talks. History will show you. Relativism is rotting our culture. It's gut rot. It is philosophical gut rot. Relativism. My truth is my truth and your truth is your truth. So don't cramp me with your truth and I won't cramp you with my truth. And can't we all just get along and I'll do what I want and you do what you want. Don't tell me what's right or wrong and I won't tell you what's right or wrong because wrong and right are completely debatable. That culture is going down. Study history. Study Rome, study Greece. You go back into history and study the great civilizations that have come and gone. And I'll show you when relativism got in there and immorality became moral and what was moral became immoral and right was wrong and wrong is right and black is white and white is black and good is bad and bad is good. I'll show you. It self-destructed. It was only a matter of time. Paul says, no, for the church, you stand. The church must not give in on a single crucial issue. Well, Pastor Jeff, can't we just meet people halfway and compromise a little bit in order to get along? Did Jesus? Did John the Baptist say to Herod, hey, Herod, you know, I see that you're in adultery and you got your brother's wife, but, but you know what? I'll blink at that if we can just get along. You know why they killed Jesus? Because he wouldn't compromise. And he wouldn't flex and flow and change and adapt and evolve. He said, here's the condemnation. Light came into the world and the world loved darkness more than light. He told the truth. He got right in their face and in love told the truth and it got him crucified. The church must not give in on a single issue no matter what the culture says. Be not entangled, Paul warns. Don't allow anybody or anything to put a noose around your neck or chains on your feet to bring you again into bondage. You gotta gotta have a resolve, church. Are y'all with me tonight? You've gotta have an inward resolve where you've already made up your mind preemptively. I'm not going to, I'm not going to give in. What I know to be true, I'm never gonna compromise that. Paul wrote to the Corinthians, you say I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. And even though I am allowed to do anything, I must not, read the next part with me, can you? I must not become a slave to anything. You and I are to be a slave to one thing. Tell me what it is. Jesus, Jesus. We are to be his servant, his doulos. That's the Greek word for slave. And you know what? It's funny. When you become his slave, that's when you really get free. And until you become his sold out servant, you're not really free. 
It's when you bow and say, Lord, I give you myself, my, all of my dreams, all my aspirations, all that I am ever could be. I give all of me to you and I'm gonna serve you the rest of my life and become your doulos, your slave. That's when you get free. Y'all are quiet tonight. Y'all are quiet tonight. Wheels are turning. I like the wheels to turn. Now again, Paul informs them that a return to the law as represented by circumcision would be completely useless. He says in verses two and three, indeed I, Paul, say to you that if you become circumcised for righteousness, obeying that law so that you can be righteous, Christ will profit you nothing. And I testify again to every man who becomes circumcised, in other words, seeks the law for his or her righteousness, that he's a debtor to keep that whole law. If you're gonna go the way of the law, says Paul, rots a ruck. Good luck. Because haven't you already tried this and you couldn't obey it? Why are you trying again? If you return to the law for your salvation, says Paul, you're gonna find yourself in the same boat as before, having to keep the whole law, and they would essentially be falling into debt again to the law, the debt to God of keeping the law, which they could not do. And should they take that route, they also had a terrible prospect. You're gonna go the way of the law, you're gonna leave this walk of grace and salvation by faith, and you're gonna go back to that law, back to that old life, back to what never could give you righteousness in the first place, you're going back. He said, it's not gonna work, but you've got another prospect as well. Here it is. You have become estranged from Christ, says verse four. You who attempt to be justified by law or where we're concerned by our own works, doing good deeds, doing good things, feeding the poor, taking a pie to your neighbor, being nice to people, never getting a traffic ticket, being a good citizen. You're gonna seek your righteousness by your own good works. He says in verse four, you have fallen from grace. You're giving up on grace and now you're leaning on yourself again. Can anybody in here tell me truthfully that before you knew Christ, you were able to achieve genuine righteousness by your own good works? How many of you can remember saying at least once to yourself, I can't believe I'm here again. Come on, everybody. Y'all look at me so holy with those halos over your head. How many of you ever said, I can't believe I did that again? How many of you ever said this? What is wrong with me? Because you wanted to do good and you didn't do it. And the very evil you didn't want to do, that's what you did. And so it, it didn't work trying to achieve righteousness by yourself. So Paul's amazed with these people. What are you doing? Going back. And if you decide to go back and try it again on your own, you've fallen from grace. And this doesn't mean they lost their salvation. It meant they would automatically cut themselves off from the power of Christ in their daily life because they're not leaning on Jesus for righteousness. They're leaning on their own good works once again. A decision to embrace Judaism, a Christ-rejecting religion, meant a decision to renounce Christ. Now that's serious. That's a serious thing. Bringing this home to us today, let's make it relevant to you and me because we're not Jewish in here. We didn't come out of Judaism, most of us. But here's the deal. Should a born again, 
Christ-professing Christian be lured away from their genuine walk with Christ into, say, a cult like Mormonism, Jehovah's Witnesses, or into a false religion like Islam, they would essentially be renouncing Christ and his work of grace. Because every one of these, Mormonism, Jehovah's Witnesses, Islam, any other so-called religion demands performance on your part to get saved. They require performance. You got to do something, achieve something, reach for something. You've got you've to observe certain things or you won't be saved. Not Christianity. By grace, you are saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, lest any man should boast. It is a gift of God. And we don't know what to do with that because we're so performance oriented. Surely there's something I got to do. No, there's not anything you got to do. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. So, so it takes us a while to, to wrap our minds around the fact that this faith that caused us to be declared righteous by God didn't require us to perform, to jump through any hoop, to observe any rules or nothing. Believe. What's that old song? Only believe. Only believe. When you and I looked up and said, Jesus, I just heard the gospel. I believe you died for me, rose from the dead so that I could be saved. I accept your finished work. Forgive me and come into my heart. God says, righteous, righteous, right then. And he says, justified and glorified. And right then, at that moment, you are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And you are dead and your life is hid with Christ and God. But it didn't take anything, Pastor Jeff. No, that's the whole thing. Jesus did it all. All right, where was I? If you go to any of those cults or anything that requires performance on your part, you're going to soon discover a broken relationship with the Lord and a radical drying up of your spiritual vitality because now you're not leaning on him anymore. Your fellowship with the Holy Spirit will be quenched. So Paul warns the Galatians and warns you and me, stand firm in the liberty wherewith Jesus made you free. And don't let anybody talk you into anything that's going to entangle you again in a yoke of bondage. As Paul wrote to Timothy, I love this. Paul told Timothy, quote, but you must remain faithful to the things you have been taught. You know they are true, Timothy, for you know you can trust those who taught you. He was raised by his grandmother and mother. They raised him up in the faith. That's the those he's talking about who taught him. And then in verse 15, what did they teach him? You have been taught, Timothy, the Holy Scriptures from childhood. And they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. Because Jesus looked at the Pharisees and Sadducees and said, You say when you search the scriptures, you find God, but you search the scriptures and you will see they speak of me from Genesis all the way through the end of Malachi. When Jesus said that, there was no New Testament yet, but they had Genesis to Malachi. He said, you search them and you will see that all of those scriptures, all of those books point to me. So Timothy was taught those books 
And Jesus in those books was revealed to Timothy. And they prepped him and prepared him to hear the gospel. And when he heard it, he connected all the dots and said, oh, that's the one, Moses and Abraham and Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel and Daniel and the minor prophets and David and the Psalms. That's the one they were all pointing to and waiting for and anticipating and expecting. And so that he got saved. Paul said, remember that, son. Don't ever forget that. I want to say to you, church, remember what you've been taught. You've been in this church for a month. You have been taught that there is one way to God. That is his son, Jesus Christ. There is no other way, no other religion, no other person that can lead you to forgiveness. There is no other way to miss hell and gain heaven than Jesus Christ. So remember that. And that you have learned the holy scriptures and they lead us to trust Christ. Now for, he says in verse five, Galatians five, verse five, for we through the spirit eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness by him. Now the law was deceptive as it seemed to offer some kind of an immediate return for the sinner's investment. Or in other words, you go do a good thing. Let's say you go, you know, feed the, the homeless one day. And if you're living on performance and not grace, as soon as you feed those homeless, something in you says, you're such a good person. Go look in the mirror and sing a song to yourself. <laughs> Just go ahead and sing, there is none like you. No one else can do the things you do. I know I can't sing. Edit this off the radio show. <clears throat> but as soon as you do something good, we tend to believe that that, that was an investment that gained me righteousness. But God comes along and says, all of your good works are to me like filthy rags. They do not gain you righteousness. Now, when you do good works after you're saved, they bring you reward in the world to come and they attest to the fact that you have been saved. There is a huge place for good works, but they don't save you. They attest to the fact that you are saved but they don't save you. Only one saves you, the blood of Christ. Jesus hanging on that cross, that's it. So, and I must have moved something around when I did all that. There we go. It produced a false pride that somebody was righteous when in fact he was not in God's eyes. You can easily pump yourself up with false pride and think you're something and that you gained yourself righteousness. You didn't, you never do. But for those who cleave to Jesus Christ for righteousness, his righteousness, there is real hope. There is hope indeed. Our righteousness is by faith. It is his righteousness imputed unto us. And that's the whole message of Galatians. That's the whole message of Paul to these people who were departing from this and going back to the law. It doesn't depend on us. It doesn't rest on us. It didn't require of us anything but faith in his finished work in order to be saved. That's why it's good news. That's why it's good news. How many of you are glad that the message was not this? Hey, good to have you here in church today. I got a message for you. If you will this and this and this and this and do it for three months, you'll be saved. How many of you would jump up and say, all right. But when you tell somebody, all you got to do is look up and say, forgive me. And you're saved. That's good news. 
Amen. Now, when Paul says we wait for it, he means we look forward to it. It points to the second coming of Christ when we're going to be just like Jesus. John wrote, dear friends, we're already God's children, but he has not yet shown us what we will be when Christ appears. We do know this, that we will be just like him because we're going to see him as he really is. One unfiltered look at Jesus and you're going to be changed to be just like him. Just like him. Next, he touches on works. Do we who are content to rest on or rest all on Christ have no works to perform? Not to be saved. The Christian has works, but they don't save him, as we just said. They attest to the reality of his salvation, but they don't save. Paul says in verse six, for in Christ Jesus, here's the fact, not circumcision nor uncircumcision, both of those symbolizing the law and our own good works avail anything. They don't do anything, but faith working through love does. The works that follow genuine salvation are works of faith that flow from love, not from legalistic jump through the hoop so you can be saved demands. Religion says you must. Faith says I love, so I want to. Isn't that good? Religion says you must, you better, you have to, you can't be saved. But faith says, because I know him and he's living in me, I love. And because I have love, I want to do these things for people. I don't get up here and preach because I have to. I love doing it. It's my gravy. It's Monday through Friday that's a challenge. The works of the Christian are to flow out of love, not out of force or coercion. Having discussed the foundation of their liberty, faith in Christ, that's the foundation. Say it with me, faith in Christ. Paul next discusses the foes of their liberty, the false teachers. Now he's going to home in on the ones that are messing them up. He says to the Galatians, you ran well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? Anybody know anybody that you could quote that verse to? I do. Of course, they're not here because they're not in church. But if I ran into, into them on the street, I could easily say, hey, you were running so well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? What's happened to you? Who got to you? Who sabotaged you? What are you doing walking away from what you knew? You started out so well, what happened? How have you so quickly fizzled and fallen? Paul could remember the dynamic days he had spent among them and how eagerly they'd embraced the gospel. They were off and running when he had left them, but someone had raised a roadblock in their path. Now he says, who hindered you? The word for hindered is taken from a Greek word. The Greek word is enkopto, enkopto. And enkopto was used of tearing up a road or putting in an obstacle in the path. Encopto. Paul is saying, who broke up the road? You were making such good progress. Who put all those potholes in it? There are good roads and there are roads full of potholes. The potholes immediately slow down your progress, don't they? If it's 40 mile an hour, but you hit a road that's full of potholes, you don't go 40. You go 20 because you don't want to ruin your shocks and, or get a flat tire. That's the idea. That's what he's saying. Who, you were going 40, 
you were running, you were going unhindered, and somebody put potholes in the road. When we decide to follow Jesus, do we truly obey Him? As Christians, it's easy to get into the routine of being a good person, but do we truly sacrifice our own wants for His plan? In today's message, Pastor Jeff explained that when you're serious about walking in obedience with the Lord, He blesses you. If you want to experience the fullness of the relationship that God has planned for your life, stay steadfast in obedience to Him. For more teachings and information about this ministry, we encourage you to check out hardwired.org. Pastor Jeff Wickwire has many more messages there. You'll find them under the audio tab. This will surely help you be encouraged in the Word. Once again, that's hardwired.org. We want to invite you to come back again next time for another teaching from Pastor Jeff. Daniel has more on that, giving you something to look forward to. For most of us, we love it when we're able to fix our problems on our own. We love the feeling of having control and hate letting others in to help. In his next message, Pastor Jeff explains that you need to let God be the biggest person in your life. Instead of making Him small by trying to fix everything on your own, accept who He is in your life and be set free. You will never be able to get through every storm thrown your way on your own. Thanks for taking time to be with us today as we studied God's Word. If you'd like to hear more teachings from Pastor Jeff, visit hardwired.org. On behalf of Pastor Jeff and the entire production team, we invite you to join us again right here on Hardwired.